Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Good morning, everyone. Everyone's very quiet. Are you all all right? Good, good. Um, It's good to see you all and be with you as we begin this new series together. So we are going to work our way through 1 Thessalonians together. Uh, And to do this, you're going to need a Bible. So can you please uh, find scripture on your phones in printed form, uh, whichever way you prefer, but we're going to go through these words together. And we've called this new series um, Family Life because we're going to take time to look at what it means to be family together, God's family, the church. And uh, I love this letter that St. Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica. Um, It's full of wisdom and guidance, and uh, we're going to learn a lot from it. But in order to learn from it, we need to read it, and not just doing this on a Sunday. So I really want to spur you on to read this letter If you haven't done it recently, read it this week. It won't take you very long. And pray through it. You can go to our bookshop and order a a commentary that you can read alongside it. um, And expect God to speak to you through it. This is what it means to be a disciple. That we would hunger after God's ways through his word with the help of his Holy Spirit. So are you up for that? Great. So let's pray um, that God would... Speak to us as we look at his word together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word which is living and active. And we read in this passage that your gospel came with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray now, come and speak to us through your word in the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, Grow us as your people together, that we would be more like you. Grow us in Christ-likeness as we journey through this letter in the next couple of months. Grow us in trust in you. Grow us in our mission. Grow us in the ways in which we represent you as your ambassadors here on this earth. Your body, the church. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So uh, it was about 15 years ago that uh, Liz, my wife, and I, she's looking nervous, um, (laughs) went to a little church in Oxfordshire, uh, and I was training to be a vicar, and I hadn't really preached very much, and I was really nervous, and we arrived at this little country church in Oxfordshire, and we walked through the door, and we had our eldest son, Isaac, who was a baby at the time. And there was no one in the church, so we just walked in, and we went to the, the front pew and sat down waiting for something to happen. Uh, and as uh, we were sat there, I was aware that someone came and stood next to me. And as I looked up, I saw this gentleman who was very well-dressed, uh, and he looked down at me in every possible way, And he said, I am the Lord of the manor. That is my seat. Get out. Uh, So we sort of, rather embarrassed, sort of shuffled backwards and sat in a a pew a little further back. 
And after a few hymns, um, I stood up to preach. And by this point, the Lord of the Manor um, was fast asleep. Uh, I hadn't even started. Um, So his head was back, uh, snoring away. And the other six people in the church were watching a bird that was doing laps in the rafters. That was our experience of this church. And it reminded me, there is no perfect church. And it's, it's important we remember that. There is no perfect church. If you've come here this morning and you're thinking, this church is just not perfect. Welcome to the body of Christ. But Paul does tell us in this letter, if you have a look in verse 7 of chapter 1, that there is such a thing as a model church, a church that can be an example to us all, a church that we can learn from, that can inspire us, a healthy church. And this church in Thessalonica, or Thessaloniki as it's now known, um, was in a very important city. Thessalonica still is a, a thriving city. It's about 200 miles north of Athens, And at the time, it would have been on this key trade route that stretched from Istanbul or Constantinople, as it was called back then, right in the east, right through to Rome in the west. And as a result, it was a key trade route. It was a wealthy place, had a lot of influence, but it also was really marked by Greek philosophy and cults and uh, idols And so there were a lot of negative impacts. And so when the Apostle Paul came to Thessalonica, he knew that he was going to face challenge and hostility. But we read here that in verse 5, the gospel came not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. And it's with this Holy Spirit power and deep conviction that, that some were saved and they turned to Christ and they began to form this little community, the church in Thessalonica. And so Paul is writing to them a a year or so after this church was formed and he's probably writing from Corinth and he's writing to them this letter to cheer them on in the faith. And so we see that the beginning of this letter is an outpouring of thanksgiving for who they are and for what they're doing. So what is it that we can learn from this church, this model church, this healthy church? Now, I say that. I've got, just bear with me, because this is another reason why church isn't perfect. I've got to get my slides going here. Bear with me. I should have done this before I started talking to you. Um, So, hang on a minute. We're getting there. 9.30 service. This really would have helped if I'd done this earlier. There we are. Now, um, I mean, what a slide. Uh, (laughs) I I could sense your anticipation building. (laughs) Um, Can I just remind you, uh, the church is not about a building. Buildings facilitate mission and gathering, but you are the church. God's people are the church. And the first thing that we can learn as we um, look to this passage is this, that this is a faith-filled community. 
in Thessalonica. And I want us to look at this passage through the lens of verse 3. So I want you to look at verse 3 and just read it now to yourselves. Because this is the lens through which we're going to look at this whole passage. And the first thing we see here is this is a faith-filled community. This is the first sign of a healthy church. Paul writes, we remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith. Now, the Christian life is full of healthy tensions that you and I have got to hold together. Um, There is the word and spirit, and we hold those two together in tension. There is the fact that God's kingdom is now and not yet. We see signs of his kingdom, but we don't see his kingdom in all its fullness. There is joy and there is suffering, another tension that we're going to look at a little later. And... Here in this passage, what we see is one of these tensions that you and I have to hold together in our faith, which is faith and work. And the Bible's clear that you and I are saved by grace. It is God's initiative, God's work that he saves us. We cannot be saved by just trying harder ourselves or doing something differently in our lives. God saves. But the Bible's also clear that faith without works is dead. We read that in James. And so this is where this healthy tension exists. That what Paul is saying here is that it is as a result of God's saving grace in our lives that we then turn to Christ in faith, in trust. And it's out of this grace and faith in our lives that we then live our lives and act and speak and make decisions. We work to his glory. So as Paul writes here, your work is produced by faith. What we do is an overflow, an outpouring of the faith we have in Christ. So to make this really practical, we welcome refugees on a Friday between 2 and 4 in the atrium because of the grace that God has shown us. We invite people to Alpha because we want them to hear the good news of Jesus because we have heard the good news of Jesus and known God's grace. We share the gospel with those who are are in our family, our friends, our colleagues, because we have first received God's grace and saving power. Does that make sense? All that we do is an outpouring of the faith that we have ourselves. And Paul is clear to remind us here that this gospel message is urgent. We talk about the good news, the gospel is the good news of Jesus, but it's good news if it gets there in time. You and I can think of many people around us, friends and family and neighbours who don't have faith. You might be the only person who is actually the one to bring them the good news. But it is only good news if you get to them in time, if they hear the good news before they die. And Paul is giving thanks for the Thessalonian church because he says here in verse 8, the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, that your faith in God has become known everywhere, 
And so Paul is saying one of the reasons that he calls this a model church, a healthy church, is because the gospel rings out from them. And this Greek word for ring out means to echo. And I love that idea that the, the gospel quite literally bounces from one person to the next, maybe like a baton race, just being passed on as it goes out from Greyfriars to your places of work, to your communities, to your family, to your friends, and beyond. And in fact, that's one of the, the things I love about this church, the heritage we stand in now, is we're part of a community, a church that's been here for over 700 years on this site, proclaiming the good news of Jesus and serving and loving the poor. That is who we are. We are people who ring out the gospel, and that is Jesus' command to us and his call to us. And so this, this church, this model church, rang out the gospel through their lives, through their actions, through their, their words, their decisions. It was a faith-filled church. So this is the first thing. A healthy church, a model church, is full of faith. And I want to challenge you this morning to ask, what could you do this week that would be full of faith? Maybe just one thing. Is it maybe sharing the gospel with someone you know? Could it be stepping out in faith and taking a decision that feels nerve-wracking, maybe you're fearful, but you know that God is calling you to it? Could it be standing up for the truth of the gospel in an area of your life? What one thing could you do that is full of faith this week? The second mark of a model healthy church is that it's a loving community. When I was uh, asked to move by that Lord of the Manor, or we were asked to move, do you remember it, by the way? Yeah, that's a relief. Um, not just. Um, it didn't feel very loving when that man bellowed at us and said, get out of my pew. Um, and I, I honestly, having searched my heart for 15 years, don't think that love was motivating him when he said it. But Paul is clear here that for the Thessalonian church, if you have a look at verse 4, that here is a church that is full of the love of God. We know, brothers and sisters, he writes, loved by God, that he's chosen you, and on he goes. And in fact, Paul is so struck by the love that comes from this church that he writes in verse, bear with me, uh, nine, about the reception, the welcome, we could say, that Paul and Timothy and others received when they came to this church, which is one reason why John's just announced next week here we're having a welcome Sunday, because if you are new or you feel new, we want to say we love having you here, we love having everyone here, you are welcome here, this is your home, and actually, we want to overflow God's love that we have received, each one of us, into your lives, that you would then go on and do the same to others around you. Now, Paul begins this letter 
uh, if you have a look at verse 1, by writing Paul, Silas, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians. And this word church comes from the Greek word ecclesia, meaning a called out assembly. So Paul is saying effectively that you, we are a group of people who are called out by God to represent him, called out by God to proclaim the gospel, called out by God to demonstrate his love, called out by God to be different in this world. And I don't know about you, but the more I look at the news, and I do look at the news every morning after I've read my Bible to help me know how to pray, but I find the news overwhelming. Am I the only one? I mean, I find it overbearing. And if you are sat here this morning and you're just feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders, can I plead with you, just stop looking at the news for a while and digest this life-giving truth. Because if we look too much to the world and not enough to God, we will be overwhelmed. There's enough unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment and anger in the world out here, even in Reading. Just walk down the streets of Reading and you'll see it. And God is calling you and me to, to be different, to be that call-out assembly that radiates the love of God that we have received. God is love, John writes in 1 John to radiate that love into the world around us and into the relationships that we are in. And he writes in verse 9 that he thanks God because this community of believers have turned to God from idols. And this is what we have done, isn't it? It's our daily walk. Every single day we we turn away from sin, we turn away from idols, and we turn towards God. But I think it's also a warning here to you and me, this passage of Scripture, because idols can often creep into our lives. You know, we, we think of idols in Scripture as being Greek philosophy or, you know, sort of things that in the past, but there's plenty of idols that will try and ensnare us in our lives today could be ambition, it could be money, it could be your house, your car, a relationship, fame, the list goes on. And so as we hold these words of scripture in front of us, we use them as a mirror for God to search our hearts and our lives and say, are there areas of our lives where we need to repent and turn away from idols? and turn towards God. Here is another tension, a healthy tension in the Christian faith, truth and love. And so Paul is writing here saying, we celebrate this church community because the gospel rang out from them. But we also read here that here is a community that is immersed in the love of God. And truth without love can be harsh and difficult to accept. But love without truth has no substance. 
And so again, we are, as God's people, to hold together truth and love in a way that radiates Christ as his people. We are his ambassadors, demonstrating to those around us this love from God that then overflows to those around us. So a healthy church, secondly, is a loving community. And again, I want to ask you and challenge you, what, could, what might God be calling you to this week? To be loving to those around you? Is it perhaps to serve someone you know in your family or friends or at work? Is it to be generous and actually to, to let go of a grip, a fear of money, which holds many people, especially at the moment, and to give? What is God calling you to? Is it to have a conversation with someone and to share the truth in love with them? And, you know, please don't, when I ask these questions, just let these questions come into your ear and then forget about them. Because this is what it means to grow as disciples. Not just sitting here and listening on a Sunday, but going out there and doing it. Being full of faith, being loving. And then finally, the third mark of this model church is that it was a hopeful community. And I really think as I look around at our nation and you know, hold the Bible in one hand, as John Stott used to say, and the, the news in the other, that our nation needs hope, doesn't it? But without Jesus, there is no hope. And this is the problem our country faces. It is hopeless. And one of the reasons that we all stared intently at Her Royal Majesty the Queen during that period of mourning for 10 days was because we saw something in her that was different. The nation saw it. They heard it. They understood it. They tasted it. Because in her we saw faith, love, and hope. But the nation can't understand that actually the key difference is Jesus. And so we, the church are to be the ones who model that hope and lead people to that hope in Christ. And one of the reasons why I love Paul's writing is he is so honest about his challenges and about the hope that he has. And so yet another tension, we're talking of tensions in the faith, is joy and suffering. Or here in verse 3 we read about endurance inspired by hope, in our Lord Jesus Christ. And wherever you look in Paul's letters, we see this outpouring on one hand of the reality of the battles he's going through, but on the other hand, a deep hope and trust in Jesus. And so Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 11, I have worked much harder, been imprisoned more frequently, flogged more severely, exposed to death, Five times I received the 40 lashes minus one. Three times beaten with rods. I've been stoned three times shipwrecked in danger from rivers, bandits, and my own countrymen. In danger in the city, in the country, at sea, gone without sleep, known hunger and thirst, going without food, cold and naked. I don't know about you, but that puts my troubles into perspective. Here's a man who knew real suffering. 
And yet, what does he write in Philippians? I have learnt to be content in every circumstance. Every circumstance. Shackled to a prison wall, shipwrecked on a little island called Crete, when being tied to a post and lashed, content in every circumstance. He goes on in Romans, as you know, to write in Romans 5, through suffering comes perseverance, through perseverance, character, and through character, hope. Hope. And here we read in 1 Thessalonians, if you have a look at verse 6, he says, you've become imitators of us and the Lord, for you welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given from the Holy Spirit. And this little group of believers in Thessalonica entered into that wealthy, busy, so-called successful city that was full of idols and cults and Greek philosophies. And when they were saved and turned to Christ, they were persecuted. They were rejected by some of their family. They were insulted. So how did they have hope? Well, the answer comes in verse 10. Have a look at verse 10. The answer comes from their perspective. Because in the midst of their suffering and pain, they weren't full of doom and gloom. They weren't overwhelmed by feeling sorry for themselves. They looked up to Christ and they looked forward to eternity, waiting for his son, God's son, to come from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. A healthy church is one that is full of hope, not because of what's going on around us, but because of our destination that Jesus will return. That on that day, Christ will finally conquer over all evil. And we, his people of faith, the church, will reign with him forever without suffering or pain. And that is good news, isn't it? And this is the perspective. Because if we keep looking around to what's going on in this earth, in our lives, with our difficulties and troubles, it is overwhelming. But we are to be a people who are full of hope because our eyes are fixed on Christ and on his return. And so a model church is one that is hopeful. It is full of love. It's, it's full of faith. And so I want to ask you finally, what would it look like for you to live a life full of hope? I'm not saying remove all your current circumstances so you're lying on a beach in the Caribbean and everything looks great. I'm saying living your life as it is now with all your challenges. What would it look like for you to live a life full of hope? Hoping Christ's return. What would look different what would change? What would it look like for people who you stand with tomorrow morning when you go into work or do whatever you're going to do 
to say what's changed in that person. Rather than just being miserable because it's Monday morning and it might be raining, what would it look like for you to be just shining the light of Christ because you have realised that we are all going to reign with Jesus forever when he returns. And that hope fills us. This model church is about faith, hope and love. It's faith that is rooted in the past based on what Jesus has done for you and me. It's love in the present that is an overflow of God's love in us. And it is a hope that comes from the future. Christ's return. This is what it looks like to be a healthy church. This is what God is calling you and me to. All of us. It's not just about David the vicar. It's all of us. And we need God's help to be that church, don't we? So let's pray now and ask for his help. Lord Jesus, we thank you that here we have before us in Scripture a model of church that you delight in, full of faith, full of love, full of hope. And Lord, we know that there is no perfect church. We only see perfection in you, not in ourselves. And so we just begin now by repenting, Lord. We choose to turn away from sin, from idols, from distractions. And we turn to you, our Lord and Saviour. And I pray, Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit, come and fill us afresh with faith. We pray for the gift of faith to be imparted to us, that we would be faithful this week. That we would be your loving ambassadors as we go about our lives. And that we would be people who are full of hope. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so, Lord Jesus, lift our eyes to you. Mould us and shape us as your people, Lord, that the gospel would continue to ring out from this church and that people would see you in us. And we pray this, Lord Jesus, for your glory and in your mighty name.